It's so good to see all of you here today. It's been a special day in our church to be able to celebrate baptism. Um, the good thing about being here as long as I have been here now, I've been here over 12 years, is you, you begin to develop very deep relationships with your church family. I remember the day Mallory was born, and then to get to baptize her is a real special thing. And um, just appreciate so much the honor and the opportunity to get to do that. And um, so glad that you all could be here in our church today. And I appreciate everybody who um, switched roles a little bit for me this morning. When Maxie called me earlier in the week and asked if I would do Mallory's baptism, I said, yeah, it's great. I'd be so excited to do that. Then I thought, well, I also got to preach and lead music and, and um, play for the youth and do about five other things. How's that going to happen? So, <laughs> but all I had to do was send out an email, and it was all fixed. Glenda and, Glenda and Velma um, and Teresa just filled right in, and we got it done. So, and we will move anything around for a baptism. We are so, so happy to do that. Absolutely. It's good to have you here with us today. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for um, the day you've given us. I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you for Mallory, Lord, such a sweet child. Lord, I just look forward to what she's going to become in you, Father, the woman of God she's going to be and the impact she's going to have on your kingdom. Thank you for allowing us to have a part of that. And thank you for allowing us to celebrate this baptism today. Dear Lord, I pray that you bless the reading of your word today. Lord, I just pray that it not be my words, but your words that are spoken. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd like to point your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Matthew, chapter 27. I'm going to read for you verses 3 through 10 to begin with, and we'll reference a few other places in the scriptures as we go along. Then when Judas... His betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned. He changed his mind and bought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and to the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See, it, um, see to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It's not lawful for us to put them into the treasury since it's blood money. So they took the counsel, they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial site for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price on him whose, whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Judas is not one of our favorite disciples to preach about. We talk about the love of John, and we talk about the strength of Peter. But who wants to talk about Judas, right? He's not known for anything good. Who was Judas Iscariot? We know him as one of the twelve disciples of Jesus. We have come to know him as the great betrayer of Jesus Judas was famous for selling out Christ for 30 pieces of silver and bringing about the events of the crucifixion. The scripture I read above points, to the, points a picture to the end of the story. I wanted to take you this morning to the end of the story because we're going to go back to the beginning of the story and look at everything that happened in between here. We find at this particular time Judas in regret... I don't know that I would call it repentance, but in regret for the things that he had done. We see him as at the end of his life, his life a shambles, and without Christ. 
and a whole lot had happened in between. But we will go back to the beginning and see what all had happened. Um, Judas did not start out with a bag of coins in his hand, walking the streets of Jerusalem to betray Jesus. I think in our attempt to demonize Judas, we tend to forget that he was a man much like us. Can you agree with me on that point? Judas was a man. He grew up. um, He was born a child, just like we are, raised in a home with a mom and a dad. We don't know much about his early upbringing. We know the name of his father. We know sort of where his hometown was, uh, just a few miles from Jerusalem. But we don't know much about his upbringing, but he he had a typical upbringing much like many of the other disciples would have had during this time Um, and he was very much a man like we are Um, we don't know much about his early life but we do know that Judas had all the potential for good that we have the question that we ask ourselves this morning is what happened to Judas what happened to this man who found himself in the inner circle of Jesus. Imagine we have a wonderful personal relationship with Jesus Christ if we're Christians, and I myself talk to him every day and, and love the Lord, and I long for that day when I'll get to get to heaven and see him face to face. But Judas got to see him face to face every day, did he not? He spent um, much of Jesus' earthly ministry with him in and out of different cities and regions and towns preaching the gospel, Judas was one of his 12 closest companions, his, his, most, his most trusted disciples. Now, you notice in the, list of, in the list of disciples, and we'll reference that later, that Judas is usually down at the bottom, and there's a reason for that. But he had day-to-day personal, intimate contact with Jesus Christ. He was in his inner circle. What happened to the man who broke bread with the disciples every day? What happened to the man who witnessed miracles, heard the teachings of Jesus firsthand every day? Let me turn your attention to the book of Matthew chapter 10. If you flip right over there with me, hold your place where you were. Matthew 10, 1 through 4. And he called to him the twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. And the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the first time, really, that you see, in the book of Matthew at least, Um, the entire list of disciples. And the scriptures go into some detail about the calling of some of the disciples, but we don't know much about the calling of Judas. You notice that Judas is always listed last. Do you think it was a surprise to Jesus at the time um, that he called Judas that he would betray him? Do you think it snuck up on him as a surprise? No. Jesus knew Jesus knew what was going to happen. It was part of the plan. It was part of what was going to happen to to lead to the events of the crucifixion. But Judas had what? He had free will. He could have stopped this. He could have repented of this action. He could have stopped it at any time. But he did not. But I believe it says somewhere in the scriptures 
what you meant for wrong, God means for good, right? And God can always turn a bad into um, bad into a good, and this would lead to um, our redemption through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But it was no surprise that at the time to Jesus when he called Judas that he would betray him. It was no secret. Jesus knew from the beginning. I do find it interesting, even in knowing what Judas would do, that Jesus was still kind to him. Notice that. Notice that. At any time during Jesus' earthly ministry, when Judas was with him daily, Jesus could have called him aside and said, Judas, what are you doing? Judas, why are you doing this? He could have, um, he could have ostracized him. He could have pushed him away. He could have put him out of, of the group of disciples. But he was kind to him, still knowing that he would betray him. This um, reminds me, if we go a little forward to the events of the crucifixion that took place later, what did Jesus do for the Roman soldiers who had, had been instrumental in his, in his crucifixion? He forgave them. He forgave them, exactly. Thank you. He forgave them. Jesus was kind to him, still sought him, still taught him. He taught him with the um, other disciples, still witnessed to him, still offered grace to him, still offered him a select seat at the table. I asked you earlier what happened to the disciple Judas. What led to the downfall of Judas? What led to the fall of Judas? I can tell you that he listened to the whisper. And I want to begin with that this morning, the whisper. If you have your notes and you take your notes, then write that down. He listened to the whisper. Sin, my friends, begins with a whisper in our ear. Amen? Sin begins with a whisper in our ear. Satan whispers the thought into our minds. This is where it starts. You see, it, things don't start where Judas was at the, pot, um, at the end of his life in shambles near the end, um, near the end without Christ, without hope. That, that wasn't where he started. That was where he ended his earthly life. But sin entered into Judas's life much, 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 much earlier. It began with that whisper that Satan puts into our minds. It was the same whisper that Satan used in the garden to tempt Eve to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It was the same with their son Cain as Satan whispered jealousy into his ear. What has jealousy done in our world? It's just, it, it can destroy. It can absolutely destroy. It led to the death of a brother, the first murder, the first murder recorded in, in the Bible. It was the same with David as he stood gazing at the nakedness of a woman who was not his wife in Bathsheba. This led to the death of her husband, Uriah the Hittite, a good man, and it wreaked havoc on David's family. If you want to read through the Old Testament and read, about, read the family of David and what took place in his family, it was absolute ruin and, and havoc, even though God still used him for his kingdom. It's the same whisper we all hear every day, the pull of our sin nature, our inclination to sin. Let me tell you something, folks. The devil does not play, does he? The devil does not play. 
He will take every opportunity and every advantage he can to whisper that sin, to whisper that thought into your ears. And he will use all manner of means. You know, I think I've told y'all this before, but, you know, people think of the devil as a little red man with a pitchfork and a scary face, right? If he looked like that, we'd all stay away from him, wouldn't we? That's not what he looks like. He's much more cunning, much more attractive, much more devious than that. And he works every day. He does not have the power that God has. God has ultimate power, and God has ultimate victory, and God has ultimate control. But the devil, he can play, and he will play with us. Amen? Amen. He will. And you have to watch your thought life. You have to watch your thought life. You have to watch what thoughts enter into your head and what you do about them. Be very, very, very careful with that. We are fallen. We have a sin nature. We have an inclination. We have a bent toward sin. And Satan will whisper that sin into our hearts and into our lives if we are not careful. But God, he gives us free will, does he not? God gives us free will. We have the choice to sin or not to sin. And we're going to sin because we're imperfect and we're fallen. And that's what's going to happen. We're going to sin. But we cannot say, the devil made me do it. Right? Satan whispers the plan of the um, sin. Satan whispers the thought. But who ultimately controls the outcome? We do. We do. We have control over that. People often want to say, well, the devil made me do it. <laughs> right? I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it. Yes, you can. You can help it. You should have helped it. Judas should have helped it. But Judas let that whisper sink in. He let that, that whisper get into his mind and germinate there. Satan may plant the seed, but we water and we cultivate it. None of the situations listed above had to result in sinful action. Every one of these people, Eve, Cain, David, Judas, all of us have the power to defeat the will of Satan and refute this whisper of sin in our ear. Let me read that to you one more time. All of us have the power to defeat the will of Satan and to refute this whisper of sin into our ear. How do you do that? How do you do that? It has to do with your day-to-day walk with the Lord. It has to do with your day-to-day discipleship. Am I talking to God? Am I reading his word? Am I interested in his will for my life today? People back away from the Lord. They back away from his house. They back away from his people. They back away from listening to him. And then they get surprised when their life ends up in a shambles. Why would that surprise you? Why would that surprise you? If you back away from the Lord, you back away from his defensive armor that he gives you, then then we, you are um, ripe for the devil to pick you off. You know, if, if, you're, if you're hunting, and I'm not a big hunter, but they tell me this. <laughs> but if you're hunting, the thing to do is to get that animal off to itself, right? To get the animal off to itself, away from the rest of the herd, away from the rest of the group, so that you can pick it off. But Satan is the same way with us. Isolation is one of his greatest tools. We have been, um, I want you to refer to you um, to a verse, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. I'll read it to you here. It says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power 
and of love and of what? Self-control. Listen to that. It says um, that he gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. We can control how this um, whisper develops in our life. We can control the outcome. All of the wars in the world started as a whisper, did they not? All of the, all of the um, tragedies and the terrorist attacks, attacks and wars and horrible things that have happened in the world, sinful things, they all started with a whisper in somebody's mind. But they didn't stop there. They germinated and they took root. Jesus defeated sin and we must resist it. It is much easier to stop sin at the whisper stage. Those of you who ever tried to put out a fire, you'll know that it's much easier to put it out in the, in the early stages than if you let it get out of control, right? Okay? You let it get out of control and it could consume and destroy. Many a man or woman who has looked lustfully upon someone who was not their spouse has been done in by allowing the thought to germinate and take root. Many a person has thought, I can steal from my employer just this once and never get caught. I can get behind the wheel of this car just once. I'm not that drunk. They won't miss me down at that church. They're all just a bunch of hypocrites anyway. What are all those things? Whispers. Whispers. Whispers from the devil. Whispers from the devil. Instead of saying, no, get behind me, Satan, I will not allow this thought to go forward. We allow the thought, the whisper, the idea to linger. You can do that. When something comes into your mind, and we're human beings, and they're going to come into our mind, you can say, Get behind me, Satan. Stop this. Stop this. I am better than this. I have a Christ who is better than this. I have a relationship with the Lord who is better than this. I can stop this where it is. Amen? You can do that. You can do that. You don't have to let it get away from you. You don't have to let it get away from you. But once it takes root, it destroys. Judas did this. Satan whispered greed into his thoughts. He said, this man... Judas said, this man, Jesus, may be powerful one day. Let's see where he can take me. It's okay okay to steal from the treasury. You deserve it, the Satan whispered into the ear of Judas. And Judas was the chief thief. He was the chief treasurer, but he was also the chief thief. He um, stole from the treasury of Jesus. This is how it begins. Instead of stopping it where it was, the whisper grew. What if Judas had repented Would Jesus have forgiven him at that point? Think about this. Had at this point, Judas said, said, this idea that I had that I could take advantage of Jesus, this idea that I had that I could um, gain monetarily from him or gain power from him, I'm sorry for this. I want to repent. I want to fall on my knees. I want to talk to Jesus about that. Would Jesus have forgiven him at this point? Yes, he would have. He would have forgiven him. Just like he would forgive us. You might be um, under the sound of my voice this morning as I'm preaching, and you might be thinking, I've got some thoughts going on in my head, and I've got some ideas and some whispers and some things going on in my head, and I don't know quite what to do with them. I'll tell you to tell Satan to get behind you. Put Christ in front of you and put Satan behind you. Amen? Amen? Do that this morning, and he can deal with that thought. He can deal with that problem in your mind. He can deal with that situation that is, that is coming up. And he will forgive you, and he will restore you just like he would have restored Judas. He would have restored Judas. But Judas did not repent. 
and the whisper grew into a plan. I want to take you over to Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to take you actually back to Matthew chapter 26 because we're going backwards in the story, if you remember. Matthew chapter 26 and verses 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16 here. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. We have now transitioned from a thought, a whisper, an idea to a plan of action. Okay? So now we are in the plan stage. So if you want to write down in the margin somewhere, if you're taking notes, the whisper, now we're at the plan stage here. Before the last last supper, Judas sought out the chief priest to set a plan in motion. This is what happens when we do not deal with the whisper, when we do not deal with the sin. As it begins to grow in our heart, in our mind, It begins to germinate and it gets larger and larger. He was now willfully betraying the Savior of the world. Let me read that to you one more time here. He was now willfully, and this was in Judas's free will because he's got free will, just like we do. He was now willfully betraying the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, handing him over to the high priest, which he knew would lead to Um, bad things for, for Jesus. For all the years he sat under the teaching of Jesus, he would sell him for 30 pieces of silver. Don't look quite so horrified, folks. The same thing can happen in our lives. How much have we sold him for? Amen? How much would we sell him for? Sometimes much less than 30 pieces of silver. A thought becomes a plan. We have given Satan a little more room to work, and he will take what we give him. You may be in a place today where you have allowed a thought to move to a plan, and I don't know what the plan is, and it could be anything under the sun because sin takes all types of forms and fashions. Pastor Mark is not here to judge you this morning. The Lord does that, right? What I'm here to do is to tell you how to deal with that. And how you deal with it is you fall on your face before a holy Lord and you ask him to take your heart and your mind and your, your thoughts and your plans and your actions and everything and take and cleanse them through his redeeming blood. Amen? That's what I'm telling you to do. People say, oh, all the dude, all the dude down at the churches, they judge you. They just judge you. They judge you for everything. People say that because they don't want, to, they don't want anybody to confront them in their sin. They don't want anybody to to mess with their sin because their sin is precious to them. They like their sin. So they say, oh, you're just judgmental down there. I'm not, we're not being judgmental. We're, being, we're, we're, giving you, we're, we're throwing you the rope that Jesus has, thrown, has, has, has put down to save you, to grab hold through his redemption. That's what we're doing today. So whatever the plan is, and some of y'all got plans. Some of y'all might have some plans going on in your life. Some of you might have some plans. Whatever that plan is, give it to the Lord. This morning, God's grace can still reach you. Judas could have still repented. Let me ask you the question that I asked you a while ago. At the point, at the point of the whisper in Judas's ear, at the point of the thought, 
we, I ask you the question, could Judas have repented? Could Judas have given his life to the Lord? And y'all answered yes. At this point, now we have a plan. Now we've actually gone down to the chief priest's um, house or to the temple or wherever he went, and um, you've actually put something in motion. Could Judas have still repented? Could Judas have still um, stopped, stopped this? Could he still have fallen on, on, on his face before the Lord? Could he have done that? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, some of the consequences may have been done. This is the thing about a plan. Once you set a plan in place, consequences happen. But he still could have had forgiveness for that had he called on the Lord. Jesus later told Judas that he knew what he was up to at the supper. Judas told him that he knew what he was up to. He still invited him to the Last Supper. God's grace is powerful. You might be saying, I'm in a mess and I can't, it can't be fixed. Yes, it can. Call on his grace and he is able to meet you where you are. The Bible says in one of my other favorite verses in Scripture, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says that the Lord, has, had, um, the Lord knows us and he has plans for us. Plans for what? Welfare and hope. Judas did not seek the Lord he missed another opportunity. He missed another opportunity to repent, and he sought to advance his plan. And now we are moving forward. We went from the whisper, then we went to the plan, and now we are moving to the betrayal. And this happens in Matthew 26, verses 47 through 50. If you'll turn over there with me, 47 through 50, Matthew 26. While he was still speaking, Judas came, um, Judas came, one of the twelve, with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came upon he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. And then he came and laid hands on Jesus. And they came and laid hands on Jesus, and they seized him. Now we have advanced from the whisper in Judas's head to the plan being in place to the actual action here, the betrayal that, that took place in 26. And it was done. What had been a whisper grew to a plan, and what had been a plan grew to a betrayal. All along the way, it could have been stopped. Do you see the opportunities to stop it? Do you see the opportunities for repentance? Do you see the opportunities along the way where Judas could have fallen on his face before the Lord? Do you see that? So many, so, so many. Still not too late, he could have done it. And let me ask you this question. Do you see the opportunities where we can repent? Do you see the opportunities where we can change? Do you see the opportunities where we can give our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ? I told you at the beginning of this message that Judas was not so much different than we are. We've really demonized him in, in Christian thought because he was the betrayer, but so are we. He was the chief sinner, but so are we. Not much difference between him and us. He sold him out in one way, we sell him out in another by rejecting him. If we reject him, you might as well sell him for 30 pieces of silver. 
even during this betrayal and after he could have repented and asked the Savior to cleanse him. That little whisper in the ear of Judas had grown into the sound of a Savior being arrested and on the way to his crucifixion. Don't look so shocked, everybody. We betray him when we deny him. If you reject the call of the Savior, we are just as guilty as Judas. Just as guilty as Judas. Judas was not the only one who put him on that cross. Our sins put him there. Our sins put Jesus on that cross. He was no more lost than if we had um, than if, <clears throat> than if we had never accepted him as our savior. Judas was no more lost than we would have been if we had not accepted Jesus Christ as our savior. It's the same. Our denial of the Savior is just as much a betrayal. People come to me. As, I've been a pastor now for a long time, been in ministry a long time. And uh, people come to me, um, their lives just all wrecked up, their marriage is all wrecked up. And we talk and we talk about how to fix it, how to, how to change things, and how to, um, how to rectify the situation. I'm, I'm going to tell you from experience, the last things people seem to want to hear is give you heart and life to Jesus Christ. We'll try anything but that. We'll try anything but that. We'll try anything but coming to church. Oh, my goodness, don't make me come to church. Right? You know? Don't make me do that. Give me something else. I'm telling you, the only way to fix it is to get your heart and your spirit right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do that, he can fix anything. He can fix anything. But you've got to do that first. And if you can't do that, then we're wasting our time. His grace is still sufficient. You may, be, you may say that I betrayed him with my disbelief. Some of you may not be believers here this morning. You may be still, still in disbelief. You say, I'm not ready to accept him. I'm not ready to, to have him in my heart, in my life. Then you're just as lost as Judas was. You're just as lost and you're just as much on the way to hell. Amen? Just as much on the way to hell as Judas was. But there's a way to stop it. There's a way to change it. There's a way to do something. As long as you've got breath in your body. Turn to him and he can still save you. Now we have the consequence that's happened here. And um, Matthew 27 verses 3 through 10. The scripture that I read to you when we began this morning. We come full circle back to the consequence. When Judas' betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, It's not lawful for, for them to um, put, be put into the treasury since they're blood money. So they took... So they took counsel and bought with them a potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Here we are at the point of the consequence in his life. Judas finally realizes what he had done was wrong. Judas finally realized that what he had done was, was um, sinful. But who did he confess to? The chief priest. The chief priest. That wasn't going to get it done, was it? He did not fall on his face before Jesus and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, be my Savior. 
He wasn't. He had guilt, but he did not have repentance. He had guilt, but he did not have repentance. Repentance is acknowledging the fact that I need a Christ to come into my life and to change me, to, to clean me up, to make me new, to transform me. At this point, Judas left this world without a saving knowledge of Christ. That, my friends, is the only unforgivable sin. People have um, pet sins that they think, oh, you can't get to heaven doing this, that, and the other. I'm telling you the only thing, the only thing that will keep you out of heaven, the only thing that will keep you from an eternity with Christ is not accepting Christ. That's the only unforgivable sin. That's the only thing you can't be forgiven for. It's not knowing him as Savior. Dying without the knowledge of a Savior. Do not let that happen in your life. I want you to um, think about what we've talked about with Judas this morning. I want to think about what's going on in your heart, in your life, in your mind. I want to think about the whispers that are going on in your spirit. I want to thought maybe even the plans that you're making, the plans that you're doing, the betrayal that you're, that you're implementing in your life. I want you to think about that and ask yourself, just ask yourself, do I really want to live like this anymore? I hope the answer is no. But the answer to that is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and let him remake you, let him cleanse you, let him renew you, let him transform you into something completely, wonderfully different. Even up to this point, where Judas was, was um, standing by himself, racked with guilt after leaving, uh, the, um, leaving the, 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 the high priest. Even then, had he fallen on his knees and, and acknowledged Christ, could, would Jesus have forgiven him? Absolutely, he would have. Absolutely, he would have. And he can still forgive you. You might be under the sound of my voice this morning, and you're saying, Mark, you don't even know. You don't even know what's in my heart. You don't even know what's in my mind. You don't even know what I've been up to. God does. God does. And he's, he's willing and open to forgive you for it. All you got to do is ask him. Don't let it be too late. Don't let it be too late like it was for Judas. Don't let it be too late. Up to your final breath. You can still call on Jesus, and he will forgive you. Some of y'all might need to do that this morning, and we're going to have an invitation where we'll give you that opportunity. Our altar is open. I'm going to ask our musicians to go, go ahead on and come up, and I'm going to pray. And then we'll have a, a time of invitation here this morning. If you need to do business with the Lord, if you need to pray, you need to ask him into your heart and your life, this is the time to do it. You need to pray about any other situation, I'll pray with you, or the altar is open. Let's stand, everybody. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to um, observe, the, the Lord, the, the joy of a baptism, the joy of a young child accepting you as Savior. Lord, the purity and the beauty of that. Dear Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word today, a lesson that we can learn from betrayal. Uh, a look into our own hearts and our own lives at the things we need to do in our own life. Father, we thank you for redemption and forgiveness. And I pray that if someone needs that today, that they'll come down this altar and receive it. In your precious name we pray. Amen.